All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. Hi, I'm Matt Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. I'm joined by Don Schreiber, as always. And, hey, Don, let's talk about the markets. I mean, all-time highs yet again and again and again. This market keeps going higher. I mean, we broke 24,000 on the Dow, for God's sakes. And here we are. I mean, it just keeps going. What do you think? you think we have a nice, strong finish to the year, or do you think we have a little December dump? I don't know, about three or four weeks ago, we called that the uh, Dow 24,000. I'm calling Dow 25,000. It's no problem. By the end of the year, we should hit 25K. You heard it here, Bull Bear Radio, 25,000. 25K. Yeah. All right. So you think we're going to have a little Santa Claus rally. You know, Santa's going to bring us some presents under the tree, and it's going to be, you know, returns in in those uh, nicely uh, decorated uh, boxes, huh? I think consumers are out buying so many gifts that Santa Claus sleigh is bogged down with the weight of all those gifts. Well, we had a great, great Black Friday. Cyber Monday was huge. Retailers, even the big box stores like Kohl's and other, you know, companies that, uh, you know, uh, market folks like us talk about. You know, haven't been doing good most of the year. All those but companies that were taken out to the strong. woodshed all oh, year. Oh, man. Is that what I hear? Chainsaw Don's back yet again? Well, we these companies are going to get a, uh, a reset, a second chance. We're going to see better, better results. Same store sales are going up. And guess what? All those folks that had their stocks just basically beaten up are going to come back a little bit towards the end of the year. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we've been talking a lot about this, uh, you know, the consumer household debt, et cetera, it keeps ballooning, but we just did get through the Senate now. So through the house and the Senate, and there's differences in both plans, but tax cuts are, are coming to a country near you sometime soon. So Don, let's talk about tax cuts here. And, and is that something that fuels, you know, consumer spending going forward and helps to drive the economy and markets higher? Well, I'll tell you what, the tax cut ex- expecting tax cuts and the stimulus effect that it'll provide for the economy or what driving the markets. You know, the S&P in 2017 is so far up more than 20 percent. Now, at the beginning of the year, certainly we didn't think that the S&P had 20%, but, you know, it had 20%. I think it's going to go a little bit higher. I think the Dow's put in a nice number. We got, you know, value, which has been underperforming all year pretty dramatically, has really popped and has started to catch up to the S&P. Russell 1000 value is up about 12.08% this year. It needs 8% or so to catch up to the 20% where the S&P is now. The small cap and mid cap, uh, Russell 2000 is only up 8%. 
you know, that's where I'd be looking. I'd be looking at those stocks, like those retail stocks that have been holding that value index back are the things that are going to come back roaring, I think, in December. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have definitely seen over the last month or so a big resurgence in stocks that have been beaten up or would be considered a great value uh, versus the growth. So the growth trade uh, is still on to a certain extent as we get to new all-time highs, but where you really start to see some uh, returns just rocking and rolling is in that value space in the market. I mean, try and buy low, sell high, and that's uh, it seems like investors are starting to pay attention to the fundamentals. They're you know, starting to think about where we might be going next year. And so, Don, you know, you were talking to me a little bit earlier about tax cuts and, you know, corporations have a ton of cash parked offshore. Do you think some of that comes back? And is, is that a driver for growth or, or is, is that going to be where it's coming from? Or what do you think? Certainly the most powerful part of the tax cut plan is the 10% uh, tax on repatriation. There's about $3 trillion, trillion dollars parked offshore that it's been sitting dormant, wasting away, that hasn't given us any economic productivity in the United States. It hasn't helped anybody outside the United States. We're going to see most of that, a lot of it, come back to the U.S., probably at least a couple of trillion dollars. And here's where we hope that uh, companies will do the right thing. You know, the professor has not graded the tax cut plan yet. Who's the, right? who's the professor? I thought that was you. Oh, I'm the professor? You're the professor. Oh, I'm the, you're Chainsaw Don and I'm the professor. So the, you know, the, ah. the, the, uh, the scores like haven't it. been tallied. I think this, Professor Matt, I think, I think that the, uh, you know, during this reconciliation between the House and the Senate bill, there's a chance that the government, you know, politicians will actually wake up. The tax writers will do the right thing and prevent companies from flushing this $2 trillion down the drain by using it to do stock buybacks. Well, hey, you know, so you what do you think of stock buybacks here, Matt? Well, you know, I think, you know, that there's been a lot of questions. I was out talking to some you know, investors this past weekend. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the Senate bill had just come through. So one of the big things is, um, you know, corporate tax cuts. When do we get them? House plan, we get them right away. The Senate, well, we don't get tax cuts until 2019. So uh, it's, it, when they come together here, it's going to be interesting. Do we get them now or do we get them later? If we get corporate tax cuts in 2019, I don't think that bodes well for markets, especially if Jerome Powell here, you know, um, you know, decides to raise rates four times next year, potentially. That'll take a chunk, significant chunk out of GDP, which is moving in the right direction. We just had a revision up to three point three, you know, percent. And so that's a great thing you know, for markets. And uh, we'd like to see that trend continue. But, you know, I think the risk rises next year with the consumer at almost three or, or right around $13 trillion, $13 trillion uh, chainsaw done and, uh, you know, consumer debt and it's all time record. And we see that, uh, 
you know, subprime auto loans are starting to go delinquent and credit cards and home equity lines of credit are up this year. These are things that spell disaster for the consumer, which is 70 percent of our economy. So really, you know, as you were saying, hopefully we get the, the tax on repatriation. They bring the money back. Hopefully we get the tax cuts next year, because I think these are things that are all additive to to making our economy really roar next year. And maybe markets continue to go higher um, without that 2019 tax cuts for corporations. I would say, doesn't that bring a lot of risk to this uh, situation, Don, in terms of now versus later? Is that a problem in your mind? Well, if I was uh, grading the uh, tax plan at this point in time, I'd have my red magic marker out. Ooh. Because, so is yep. the Senate getting is the Senate getting a bad mark here? You like the House well, better? You like the Senate plan? Or both of them getting, uh, you know, Chainsaw Don's red mark here? You bet. Fire that baby up. Talk to us, Don. Well, I think that the uh, both the Senate and the House version have uh, problems. You know, in the Senate version, they only have the personal income tax rate reduction through 2025. You know, this isn't going to be a stimulus package that's going to last that long on the personal side. And, you know, one of the things that concerns me, you were talking about consumer debt. You know, there's a tell, you know, if you're playing poker, you always want to watch your opponent really carefully to see if there's, if there's a tell something, you know, their eye is twitching or something like that. Where yeah, you like can that tell weird that guy in got Casino Real, you start having a weepy, bloody eye. I mean, or, or is, that what the, is that what consumer debt is doing here? It's got the, it the, the weepy, here's, bloody here's eye. The here's, here's the tell, right? Not only do we have all of the things that you said about massive, um, historically high consumer debt, but in 2007, when the consumers were tapped out last time and we had reached all-time highs on consumer debt, the last place they go to to try to find some more money to spend is tapping their 401ks. And that's and happening, the, too. So not only the quarter, home equity lines of credit, I forgot about the, the 401ks. Yeah, so talk, speak to me here. Talk to me. So after, over the last quarter, we've seen a rising occurrence of people going and tapping their 401ks. They're not only borrowing, if they've borrowed and they can't borrow anymore, they're cashing that stuff in. IRAs, 401ks, it's disastrous. It shows how overextended the consumer is, and we're dependent on this tax bill to put some fresh cash in their pockets so that they can spend more. Without that, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, I, I would concur with you here. So I think we really need this tax cut. And, you know, the the one reason why the Senate plan delays it is because they are trying to pass this under the simple majority. And you can't have uh, more than one point five trillion added to the deficit each year. So by repealing the individual mandate of Obamacare, they have to pay for that. And the way they're paying for that is delaying the corporate tax cuts. Whereas the House plan is not doing that. The House plan is just, you know, not repealing the individual main mandate of uh, Obamacare. And they're going forth with the corporate tax cuts. So two big material differences here between the two plans. And so if I had to grade the two, I mean, I don't like either one of them. But the Senate plan, I like a little bit less in that regard because we don't get the t- corporate tax cuts here right away. 
Here's something, you know, the, the C corporations, we talked about this a little bit last time, but this is just staggering to me. 95% of companies in America are smaller and mid-sized pass-through entities. The top 1% by revenue size of those companies pay 40% of the corporate taxes in America, 40% of all corporate taxes, the top 1% of the small and mid-sized companies. The big companies are already not paying so much in taxes because they've got the ability to keep money offshore, to have all kinds of uh, deductions and credits, which small companies can't avail themselves of. This tax plan for both the House and the Senate basically gives the small and and, and mid-sized business owner the shaft. Yeah, I I would agree with you there, uh, Don, you know, and uh, it it just so happens that, uh, you know, of employment in the United States that the small and uh, mid-sized companies happen to be the lion's share of the employment. So while they may be only 40% of the tax revenue, they're, They're 60, over 60%. Yeah, 60 to 70% of uh, employment in America. So there's a disconnect between, you know, uh, the large corporations which pay less and the small companies that uh, have that ability to grow and employ so many more people and talk about wage growth. You know, the large companies, you were, you're asking me about stock buybacks. Well, yeah, I mean, if you make it easier on them, are they going to do more stock buybacks? Potentially. But if you give tax cuts to the little guy, man, they're going to reinvest in that business so they can make more money. And then they're going to invest more money in their people. They don't do stock buybacks. That's not a thing for them. They're not public companies. They're not trying to do the same financial engineering. So, you know, if you're really trying to focus on where could you grow you know, the economy faster, it's right here in, in, in the heartland, so to speak, with uh, small and mid-sized companies. That's, that's, the, that's the heartbeat of America. That's where people so a dream C-corporation and keep that growing. Has profit, so a C-corporation, Matt, that has profit, right, gets taxed at a 20% rate, and a mid-sized or a small-sized company that has profit is taxed at a 43% rate. Right. You're preventing the people who have the ability to employ more people who are going to not use the money for stock buybacks because they're not public companies. They're going to reinvest like you said. So, Professor Matt, how are you grading this tax plan so far? You know, uh, you know, now that we put it that way, I'm not feeling quite as good as I did before. So thanks for that again. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just I don't feel good about that. And I, I would think after we broke this down, some people at home aren't aren't maybe as optimistic about the tax plan as they were. Uh, and, and when you start talking about the the individual side of the coin, it really it's not doing too much. Um, you know, some people get a little bit of a tax cut. So a lot of people don't. Uh, you start going through the the middle to upper income earners and nothing happens. Some of the people even on the lower end of the spectrum are going to get a tax increase. So the whole thing is a little bit on the individual side. 
uh, it, it's inconsequential. And that's one reason why I think we need to focus on the business aspect of what is this thing going to do for business? Because then it may trickle down to, you know, the individual making some more money. And that's what we were trying to get to here uh, with the difference between C-Corps and those pass-through entities uh, for small and mid-sized businesses. So hopefully they do the so, right thing here and, uh, <clears throat> you know, focus there a little bit more. Yeah, the, the real big win for investors is that uh, ability to repatriate all that capital. Some of that capital will actually get reinvested by businesses. Hopefully they won't flush all that fresh capital uh, down the drain by using it to, to do buybacks. Preferably, they do increasing dividends over time, which would make their stock more attractive because they're returning the capital directly to the shareholder. In a buyback as a shareholder, I don't get a choice whether or not they buy back the stock. The corporate boardroom makes that decision, and we've got stocks at historic overvaluation, especially for those large cap stocks that we're talking about. And they are going to use this money to buy back their stock to make prices jump a little bit higher, not because the company is doing better, but because there's going to be less shares available on the market. That doesn't sound like a prescription for long-term economic growth, but it certainly will boost stock prices over the short term. That's why we think, or I think, that by uh, year end, the Dow's higher, the S&P's higher, and uh, we're going to run into trouble, though, if the uh, tax plan comes out in either the Senate or the um, House version, where it essentially destroys the incentive for small and mid-sized companies to continue to grow and try to be competitive against their larger counterparts. The tax plan is unbelievably important to get the economy growing a little bit faster, certainly in that 4 or 5% rate, and have the consumer get some fresh capital in the pocket to keep the engine running. Yeah, so that that's great. So let's let's just wrap up markets really quick on on where markets are right now this year and then let's talk a little bit about next year real fast. So, you know, S&P 500, it's up about 20% year to date for the year. S&P 500 value though, only up about 13%. S&P 500 growth as we sit here right now up about 26%. So clearly, you know, the growth side of the equation is is driving the bus and we've talked a little bit about that in that uh, the top 50 stocks for the S&P have provided 74% of the return this year and most of those are your growth oriented plays. Uh, when you start to take a look at uh, you know, Russell 1000, it's more of the same. Russell 2000 is very similar uh, in that Russell 2000 year to date is up uh, right around 20%. Growth, though, 28%. Value, 13%. So it's been a more growth oriented year uh, this year. Uh, my question to you would be, Don, does that change next year? Do you think that uh, growth wins the day next year, that these market dynamics continue? Or do you think there's a resurgence in the value trade as we continue to go higher here? You know, these things, uh, Matt, tend to flip-flop. You know, 2016, the value indexes outperform growth. Even though growth was hot, the value was hotter. Uh, 2017, so far, this is so far. 
The year is not over yet. It's not over. We got a lot of time to run left in December here. Yeah, growth stocks over uh, the November month did not do nearly as well as the value side. No, they value value caught up quite a bit, had a huge month, and the growth stocks were up marginally. Yeah, growth growth did trail to Don's point by one to two percent in in some instances over the last one month period, whether it was large cap or small mid cap. So, you know, a lot of time left, uh, Chainsaw Don there to run this year in terms of uh, the value versus growth play. And it looks like the value trade is is coming back strong here. And that's led by really retail, as we said at the top of the show. Now, if you take a look at bonds this year, uh, high yield bonds uh, are up just around 7% for the year. Uh, the tradable product, uh, you know, up a little bit less than that or in the 6% range. But uh, high yield bonds up around 7 for the year. If you're looking at the broader bond market, only up around 3 just a shade over 3% this year. So bonds really aren't cooking too much uh, so far this year, Don. Uh, pretty disappointing years for, up, but disappointing relative to equities. Do you think that trend continues? Well, I think that uh, actually bonds have had a stellar year in the face of rising interest rates, in the face of a Fed plan to continue to raise rates. The bond market just hasn't bought it. The bond market has said, oh, I don't think so. Inflation? What inflation? And so bonds have done relatively well. I think this is a pretty good performance. I think next year, if Powell... And the, and the Fed decide. That was a flush, wasn't it? Yeah, do you think bonds, bonds, bonds do this next year with raising rates? I think if they go through with the four rate hikes and the economy actually weakens in the second half, like I think it's going to, and we see virtually no signs of inflation, you can absolutely... Bet your money on the cir- toilet flush. Yeah, t- talk about it circling the toilet bowl. That's what's going to happen. Investors finally may, you know, abandon bonds in mass um, on the on the prospect of rising rates and a and slowing strong. economy, right? And or and or equities rising inflation. Run. We're gonna we could have stagflation. Yeah, well, and and money does go where it's treated best. So, do you think people actually start to pay attention in the United States to? You know, markets that finished the year so strong and you start to see some of that money instead of moving into bonds, move more into equities, too. I think that the uh, the trade into equities is going to last probably, you know, it's always uh, buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Once we get the tax plan done, what comes next? You know, we've got a budget crisis developing in the new year. How are we going to fund the government, which has run out of money? We need a budget deal. I think a budget deal is going to be really difficult to come by because the Democrats are posing for re-election. They are not worried about the U.S. Uh, consumer or the U.S. economy. They're worried about making you know, the other party look bad, Republicans look bad, so that they have a uh, big sweep in the 2018 elections. Obviously, it would be our hope that we put politicking aside in Congress and we get a budget deal so that the the government and the economy can continue to operate. But I think it's going to be a pretty scary time. 
from a budget standpoint, I don't think that that deal is going to be easy to arrive at. So, Don, let's take a break here. And then, you know, you're worried about, you know, at least 10 different things. So when we get back, let's let's talk about the 10 things that Don worries about most as we go forward here. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some some very important news items that have uh, breaking over, been breaking over the last couple of weeks. So, Don, we'll be right back. Want to enhance your portfolios? WBI has revolutionized the traditional separately managed account to bring you the enhanced SMA. WBI utilizes its own suite of ETFs as the building blocks of the SMA to provide opportunity for greater tax efficiency and other benefits that wouldn't be available in the traditional SMA due to cost considerations and other limitations. Learn more at WBIinvestments.com. All right, and we're back. So, uh, you know, as always, hey, come on, guys, for for God's sakes, follow us on Twitter. Uh, WBI president is my handle. Don's at WBI CEO. Uh, reach out and touch someone. You know, hit that follow button and and help us out a little bit. You'll get a little bit more, uh, you know, value add over there and what we're thinking about the markets and. Uh, we'd love to see you out there and, and, and interact with you guys. We're also on LinkedIn. If you haven't been to the website lately, WBIinvestments.com. We have some good stuff there, too. So so give us a follow. But, hey, Don, you know, uh, market meltdown next year? Or, uh, you know, you just worried? Or, or, or do we run higher? I think we've made the case that we could definitely run higher here with the right blend of tax cuts and such. But what are some of the big risks that you see out there? What keeps you up at night? Well, I don't think the tax package is going to be uh, strong enough to essentially remove all the market's worries. You know, I, I really do believe that the uh, government potential budget uh, impasse that we already s see uh, evolving potentially – uh, and a government shutdown would really shut down, uh, shut down, M might, might shut down the market trend. We might get a little reversal there. You have to, you, you remember, Matt, you know, we're, we're almost 4,000 days into a bull market trend. They don't last this long normally. No, the, the, we're, we're the second longest run without a 20% correction ever. The last one was March of 2009. The, uh, the longest run evers 4,494 days we could you know break it eclipse that but um you know we got a long ways to go and we got a lot of risk out there so like you said budget uh you know crisis government shutdown here in the united states china by the way they want to deleverage. So what's that mean for markets that that well, we, we got we leverage got is usually a good thing that drives growth they're only growing at about six percent, is what they're what what China's been telling us lately. Do you think with the whole deleveraging thing, that could really uh, you know cause a market disaster and mayhem? Well, China's economy is already slowing, right? And with the over leverage that they have, and they're trying to reconcile that leverage, they're trying to deleverage. They're going to slow their economy down more than that. I think that Japan, which has been flooding the world flooding the world with that to try to keep their economy rolling. And they've been able to get some economic growth finally after 20 years of stagnation. Unfortunately, I don't think that that continues. I think that the monetary power that they're trying to continue with will essentially weaken. They can throw more money at it, but it will not 
provide more stimulus. And sometime in the second half of next year, we're going to see the Japanese economy start to slow again. Yeah. I am speaking of slow. I mean, Europe. Wow. Talk about slow growth. That it's not looking good in Europe at the moment. Well, grass grows faster than Europe grows, isn't it? <laughs> about one percent growth in uh, in the eurozone. A little a shade, a little bit above, a little bit below. It just depends on the quarter. But yeah, maybe grass does grow a little bit faster when you water it, right? So you know, Brexit has a chance to uh, give the Europe Europe a, a little bit growth uh, indigestion. Yeah, you what know, a, I can't what believe a I ate the situation. whole thing is what and, Britain's going to say. And by the way, you know, if you've been reading the news, which I know you are, but if, if you're out there and you're listening to us, take a look at some of the news stories coming out of Europe. You know, Merkel is having uh, the, the, the hardest struggles of her political career in Germany trying to maintain power there. And they've had the best economy, yet she's really... Uh, skating on thin ice at the moment. So is Theresa May in the UK. So uh, that's a that's uh, read some of those stories. If you're opening up the Wall Street Journal and you don't think Europe matters, you know, to you, Europe could matter to your money next year. So the consumer, right, who's who's uh, stretched on the uh, debt side, even tapping out the uh, 401ks, they get a little fresh cash in their pocket. Is it enough? that the consumer continues to spend with mad abandonment. Well, I don't think so. Well, maybe if you take a look at the consumer confidence numbers, they just continue to pull the rabbit out of the hat and spend, spend, spend. But, you know, I, I would assume that there's got to be a little bit of a slowdown unless we see wages, wages rise. Say that a couple times fast. Jeez. Um, volatility. I think, I think there might be a little rage out there if wages don't rise. Well, there might know? be. There might be. Yeah, there might be a little rage. And and speaking of rage, the markets, you know, have been very, very quiet in terms of volatility over the last couple of years. We had a little bit for a little bit of time in 2015 mid year, and then to start 2016. But I mean, even those couple of years with those couple of moves were pretty quiet. This year has been, you know, a really nice steady melt up for most of the year. And, uh, you know, odds on bet, once you think that volatility starts to rise back to a normal, you know, state, we've been in like single digit standard deviation from the market. So that standard deviations, that roller coaster ride. This has been like one of those ones at the county fair where you put your, you know, three year old on and they love it. But it's 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 not going to make you throw up. Usually the market, you know, makes you have a gut check uh, once or twice a year or, you know, once every couple of years. Not so much lately. What do you think there? Well, I think that that worry uh, you more volatility coming back. Yeah. One of the key indicators. So we got. An inverted yield curve building. The long end of the yield curve isn't moving, but the Fed keeps moving short rates higher. If the Fed continues to move short rates higher and the bond market vigilantes who don't see inflation coming continue to keep the long end short, that is a sure prescription for a recession. Okay. Thank you for uh, listening to another episode of Bull Bear Radio. So, again, you can follow Don, WBI CEO, me, WBI president, 
We love uh, doing this show for you guys. And, and thank you again for listening. We'll be back at you next week. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Happy holidays, too. Keep shopping. Support that economy of ours. We want to hear from you. Submit your questions for Matt and Don to be discussed in future podcasts to bullbearradio at wbiinvestments.com. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at wbiinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time and there's always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or from any other investment professional. To the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or the professional advisor of your choosing. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information pertaining to WBI's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in WBI's disclosure statement in Part 2A of Form 80B, a copy of which is available upon request.